0: Thank you, Pastor. It is good to be back with you. Um, There are very few churches that we boast about, and yet this is uh, one of the very few that we are uh, very proud to be connected with and partner with for near as we can tell about 27 and a half years. So go back 27 and a half years. Some of you older folks in the congregation that have talked with me this morning. Yeah, you were younger back then. So was I. Uh, But we have been privileged to be connected in serving the Lord and church planting uh, in the greater Sydney area. We have served north and west and now we're south of Sydney. Uh, We're involved in our fifth church plant. That is our heart. That is what we do. That is what we believe God has called us to. And uh, we are excited to be seeing new churches start from scratch. And uh, the present one that we are in is a recovery work. Okay, This church had, uh, in the past, been a a good-sized church, and they had four buildings, but when we came, they had dropped to just three people, and uh, nothing had been done on the buildings at all for 30 years. Imagine uh, what state the buildings were in after nothing had been done maintenance-wise for that long. And uh, they ask us to come and help them to refocus and replant the church and uh, find out how God wanted them to reach their community and make a difference uh, for the cause of Christ. And so that's what we're doing at this point in time, about 40 miles south of Sydney along the coast. Beautiful spot. You have to come and visit us sometime. Um, It is a, a very nice place. About a mile and a half from the beach, you know, not too bad that way. And the water is warm there. It's not like here. Uh, The water is warm there. Um, Even if you come during our winter, we've never seen a frost ever in history, you know, so it's not a bad place, about like uh, San Diego area, climate-wise. Good spot. Uh, But the Lord has called us there, and we've been involved in that replant now for a few years, Probably have at least another five years if we're going on averages with what it takes to do a church plant in Australia. If the Lord supplies and um, we get to get the whole thing wrapped up before then, fantastic. Uh, We're wanting to give God the glory not to have a job, okay? Uh, There are plenty of opportunities we're looking to see what the Lord will do. We do ask, uh, somebody said in the first service I didn't give prayer requests, We do ask that you would continue to pray that God will supply the guy who's going to be the pastor of this church. Uh, Church plants always go much, much better if you bring in the pastor before the missionary leaves. Uh, That makes that transition much smoother and the church grows from strength to strength that way rather than falling back and the pastor having to pick it back up and, and keep it rolling. So we really need the Lord to supply Whoever that is, we don't know, and we would love to know who that is. That is our biggest prayer request um, that we would have. Um, we've got other prayer requests, and some of those you'll hear as we're going along. Pray that God keeps us effective in ministry. Um, you read any of the Apostle Paul's prayers in his epistles, we'll take any one of those, okay? Uh, but We're also under supported financially we heard from another church just this last week who has had to pull back and right now we're pretty seriously under supported we wanted to return to the field on the 29th of this month flying out of San Francisco and yet right now we are seriously under supported and uh, we don't know how that's all going to work financially but the Lord does. So we're looking for more individuals who are interested in partnering with us or churches who are able to pick up a bit, and uh, we'll see what the Lord does from there. It's it's tough when you're getting all excited about going back and then another church says, oh yeah, we redid our budget and you're not in it this year. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, so what we know is we have a God who loves us. We have a God who's always met our needs. We have a God who delights in working through his people to make things happen. And uh, so we trust that God will take care of us. He loves us. Um, A little bit more about our ministry. Um, Yes, church planting. So that means that we're involved in all aspects of it. I, in the past, have spent a third of my time repairing the buildings, and we've almost got that done. Uh, We've got a, a couple more things yet that need to be done, but not that much. Um, I spend a third of my time shepherding the flock that is there and trying to grow the people in Christ, and we have seen some major good uh, growth in the people over the last couple of years. Uh, They're making some really right choices for godly, biblical reasons, and we're excited about that. Um, It's exactly what a, a pastor and a church planter wants to see. And then I spend at least a third of my time in shepherding that flock as I... I'm involved in evangelism, trying to be in the community with unsaved people to be able to give them the opportunity to see who Jesus Christ is and to respond to their need for a Savior. So I spend a lot of time at that. That's my passion, is evangelism. Pastor hinted that we're also um, involved in sports event evangelism. The abbreviation for that is C-S-E-E. It's a lot easier. Um, The sea ministry, we first got involved in in 2000 when the Olympics were in Sydney. We were part of the organizing committee for evangelism at the uh, Summer Olympic Games. And we were involved in that, kind of got hooked. Uh, We've been involved ever since, except for... The uh, Olympics that were in China, because China wouldn't give me a visa to come in. They knew what i do and wouldn't let me come. And so we kind of smile and say, okay, God knows what's going on, and we, we carry on from there. I'm also involved in the Soccer World Cup, because that's about twice as big, twice as many visitors as the Olympics. All total, uh, the C ministry, since it was started by the guy who we took over from uh, as director... Um, they have seen 22 church plants affected because of the evangelism that happens at the sport event evangelism as we go and share Christ with people. I was just in Russia for the Soccer World Cup, and we met people from 68 nations in a matter of a couple of weeks. Can you imagine talking with people from 68 nations in a matter of a couple of weeks? Sharing with somebody back there... um, I talked with somebody from every one of the Stan countries. You know, Afghanistan, Kyrgyzstan, and you know, all the Stans. And I had never done that before. What a wonderful, wonderful opportunity that Christ gave us to be able to share the gospel with people from places I'm never going to go visit. And yet we were there and we were able to share Christ with them. a wonderful thing to be able to do it that way. In the previous Summer Olympic Games... Our team that we gather from churches here in America that goes to these events with us, um, in a matter of 10 days, talked with people from 103 different countries. Do you realize the UN only recognizes 206? So we talked to half the countries of the world, sharing the gospel with them in just 10 days. Now, the next opportunity that's coming up is in 2020, in the Summer Olympic Games. Uh, Barb and I will be directing that team and organizing that team. Um, We're hoping that some of you will consider coming to Tokyo with us to go and share Christ. We'll tell you a lot more about that if you are interested in that. If you want to see a little bit of um, the booklet that I use at the Soccer World Cup, a book that I wrote that uses soccer. Maybe you're witnessing to somebody who's a big soccer fan. I have some of these in English and maybe some Spanish uh, around. If you're interested in seeing one of these, we got some of these at the table. You can take one of these if you would like. Or as uh, Pastor mentioned, we have our prayer cards back there that have the uh, way you can get in touch with us. Either about the sea ministry or our ministry in Australia. You're welcome to come and see us in Australia as well. We'd love to see you down that way someday, to see the the work that God is doing that way. We have our email addresses and web pages on there that you can get in touch with us if you're interested in in that. Um, Let's see, we also have, uh, I should give you a little bit of an update, because when we first started partnering with you, uh, we didn't even have children yet. Now our oldest is 25, married, live in Albuquerque, New Mexico, because nobody knew her there. And it's pretty decent weather and doesn't have any natural disasters. So that's where she decided to live uh, with her husband in Albuquerque and uh, working a job trying to pay off the college bills, if you know what that's like, trying to pay off that student debt. And uh, they're getting close, hoping to be there by about the end of the year, maybe January, February at the latest. And they'll be debt free. They're excited about that. And I am, too. Um, Our youngest son just graduated in may Uh, we only have the two children our youngest uh, son is 23 uh just graduated in may uh from salem a college in salem oregon called corbin university and he got a political science degree because he doesn't believe there's very much integrity in politics these days imagine that um And uh, he's hoping to be able to get a job in that somewhere along the line, but for the summer, he needed a job really bad, and so he's working at an amusement park and hopes to be able to get into politics as soon as he possibly can. Um, But he's uh, up there in Salem yet, and we're actually going to drive to Salem tomorrow because we have to take care of a couple of things of business up in Salem, and we'll be able to see him this week. It'll be nice. Uh, We're looking forward to that. Um... I didn't tell you that two days after he graduated, he got married, Um, and we're pretty excited about that. A a wonderful lady um, named Megan, uh, and they're uh, serving the Lord together up there in the Salem area. We're, We're excited to be able to see them and get to know her a little bit better as we head up that way this week. Some of you know that for years we have been preparing short little video clips for this church and some of our other churches who ask for a constant update of of what's going on in our ministry. Every year we put out a short little two-minute clip of what we have been focusing on and what what some of the big things are that have happened in the last year. Um, We have at this point that two-minute video clip for just the last year if you want to see the older ones you'll have to go on our webpage and you can watch them online that way so if we're ready can we do that
1: we are matt and barb douglas serving with the association of baptists for world evangelism we serve in church planting in the greater illawarra area of new south wales emphasis is to get people to come to God and then grow in Christ. Part of church planting is maintenance, remodeling, and reconstruction. Several of the projects recently accomplished include building a fence, remodeling a kitchen and laundry room, and rebuilding an exterior wall. We were also privileged to host a couple of international short-term exchange students. Some of our outreach opportunities include the local Spring into caramel Festival, activities in our local community, Bible studies, our first Holiday Kids Club or VBS, and scripture teaching in the public schools. Our church has joined with the Australian Fellowship of Bible-Believing Churches. Other major ministries include a university Bible study and a nursing home ministry. Sports event evangelism is a new part of our ministry, which takes about 10% of our time. In 2017, Matt visited Russia to prepare for this year's FIFA Soccer World Cup outreach. And he also visited Tokyo to begin preparations for the 2020 Summer Olympic Outreach. Find out more about our ministry on the web.
0: Another prayer request for you as I was watching that I was reminded uh, one month from today, uh, the second Sunday of next month, is our church's biggest evangelism effort of the year. Uh, We don't have a Sunday morning service that day, because walking right in front of our church has about 25,000 people who are coming to this great big festival in town, which begins uh, half a block from our church. They close off the streets, and they have the big street party and, and everything else going on. And it's so noisy outside, you can't hear inside the building anyhow. And so I said, well, if the people are there, why are we in here? Let's get out there and meet the people. So we give them free water bottles. Uh, They're going to pay $4 in another two blocks for a bottle of water. We're giving out free water bottles with a booklet about our church and talk with people about coming and visiting our church and giving God another look. And uh, so that's one month from this Sunday. So if you can remember that in a month, we would greatly appreciate that and pray that God gives us many opportunities to connect with some new people. That one event has changed the community's total opinion of our church and total attitude towards our church. Before uh, we started doing that event, everybody was like, oh, I wouldn't ever, ever consider visiting your church. Since we have been doing that and being out in the community, people like our church, and people look forward to meeting us every year and and talking with us. And so it has been the one thing that has totally changed our community's attitude towards our church and uh, we're looking forward to being back that's part of the reason we're leaving the end of this month got to get back the end of this month first Sunday is Father's Day I got to go back for Father's Day you know Uh, (laughs) and then the second Sunday is the spring into Carmel that huge outreach that we're involved in so uh, please pray for us as well in that if you have your Bibles and want to turn to John John chapter 1 we're going to look up briefly today, not just talking about Australia and the ministry that God has allowed us to, to be involved in, but we also want to look into His Word and see some of the wonderful things of, of God's Word. Get my notes up and get them going here. John chapter one, We're going to be kind of in verses, we're going to hit 19, and then we're going to skip down a few verses and, and read a few more. But before I get there, can we take the time to, to pray and ask God to speak in and through me uh, to our hearts this morning? Let's pray. God, we are so grateful that you are God. You know the beginning from the end. You do all things well, and your love for us is so amazing that we can't help but share it with others. And Lord, as we dive into your word this morning, we want you to help us see your word for what it is, to evaluate what it has to say. And as we worship you from all of that, help us to desire to align our lives with what your word has to say. And, uh, Lord, we pray that you would give us strength and wisdom to worship you as we ought from the study of your word. Give me clarity of thought and mind. Help us as we, as we speak at this time, declaring your word in Christ's name, amen. You know, some things in life everybody easily gets excited about, right? Um, Maybe it's a new toy, a new thing. For kids, they get really excited about toys sometimes, although sometimes our kids got just about as excited about the box as they did the toy in it. Uh, You know, that's always fun as a parent. But um, other times, it's other things. I was just recently given, a couple of weeks ago, a brand new uh, barbecue grill, one of these pellet grills, you know, that you can use for smoking. And I cooked some pork ribs last night. Oh yum. Um, it's a gift that I got pretty excited about and uh, really enjoy. Sometimes it's uh, other things though in life that maybe you get excited about, a new job or a new place to live or or something like that. Maybe it's a new birth. Um, i sad to say we can't report on any grandkids yet. Um, as soon as Uh, we know something about grandkids. We'll be like everybody else and put up pictures on Facebook and Instagram and all of those kind of things, you know, uh, as parents do who are excited or grandparents that are excited about uh, a new baby. But, you know, I think we also ought to be excited equally, if not more so, about spiritual birth. When we see new people added to the church because they have come to Jesus Christ and understand what a relationship with Jesus Christ is all about. As we look at our passage this morning, we're going to see people who do precisely that. But we also see here, as Christ himself says, when he says in in verse 39, come and you will see. We will see that come and see is an invitation and an opportunity, an invitation, and an opportunity. How does that work out in this passage? We're going to start in verse 19, and then we'll read down through the passage here a little bit. Um, so the first thing that we're going to look at as we're trying to put this whole passage together is the acknowledgement of reality. First main point is, if you're going to see the opportunities, you have to acknowledge reality verse 19 now this is the testimony of john that's john the baptist not john the author of the book but john the baptist when the jews sent priests and levites from jerusalem to him asking him who are you and that's a great question it's a great question jump down with me to verse 25 and they ask him saying Why then do you baptize if you are not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? You see, they were starting to already try to pigeonhole John the Baptist as to who he was and what he was all about. And John the Baptist says, whoa, 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 I'm not who you think I am. I'm just here to run ahead. Let's get back on into the passage. Verse 26, John answered them saying, I baptize with water, but there stands one among you whom you don't know. It is he who coming after me is preferred before me, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose. Jump down to verse 29. The next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who is preferred before me, for he was before me. And I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. What a statement. But he doesn't stop there. Going on, in verse 35, again, the next day, John stood with two of his disciples and looking at Jesus as he was walking, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. Well, what is the reality in this passage? This is a historical passage. And as we're looking at historical passages, sometimes we have to pull ourselves into the context and see just exactly what God is telling us here. What is the reality? The first reality that John wants us to see is the preeminence of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the key. It's he that is most important in life. It's not about me. It's not about this church or any other church. It's about Jesus, who he is and what he has done. We've had the great opportunity to celebrate communion with you this morning, and I am so grateful for that opportunity. Hey, I was in the first service too, so I got to celebrate it twice. I like that. It's all about Jesus Christ, who he is and what he has done. We, if you come down and visit us sometime, you can see... We've got this small, historic, old building built in the 1880s-ish. The the building is so old, this front building, we've got four different buildings, but this front building where the sanctuary is at doesn't even have plumbing. (laughs) doesn't have any running water in it. Beautiful, old building with with some beautiful wood in it and, and what have you. And that in itself is pretty neat, but that's not the important thing. We don't invite people to come and see our neat little old church, though some people have come to see our neat little old church. We invite people to come and give God another look because God is the important one, not the church. If you were to pull in our driveway here, you would see just exactly straight west of the driveway as you're pulling in the driveway is a mountain that's only about a mile away from where we're at because there's an escarpment there. You know what an escarpment is? Sheer cliffs, sheer rock cliffs that go straight up. Now, our church is at 22 feet above sea level. The top of Broker's Nose, which is straight behind us, the mountain straight behind us, is 2,800 feet. And it's one mile away (laughs) as the crow flies. You go a mile and a half the other way, and you're on the beach (laughs) of the Pacific Ocean. Both this mountain that's right behind us is, is quite spectacular. The beach, oh, you know, we got nice beach, warm water, all that kind of stuff. It also is quite spectacular but that's not the most important thing of our area. That's not the most important thing that we go and tell people about. What do we go and tell people about? Well, Jesus here we see is the key because John the Baptist says, I testify that this is the Son of God. God showed up and John wanted people to know about it. He was there to prepare the way for people to give an honest look at God and acknowledge the reality of who he is. Second thing, I'm going to keep moving right along here. A second reality that we need to acknowledge this morning is that God has a plan. Did you notice twice in this passage we see the phrase, the Lamb of God. Jesus is the Lamb of God. Look at verse 29. The next day, uh, John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Behold the Lamb of God. The very last verse, verse 36. And looking at Jesus as he was walking, he said to him, Behold the Lamb of God. Now what's that about? What a weird title. The Lamb of God? What's that all about? How do we acknowledge that as a reality? Well, that means that God has a plan. That's what that title is all about. God has a plan from way back, really early on, from the beginning. When is a lamb first mentioned as part of what God is doing in the Bible? all the way back in Genesis God uses a lamb in chapter 3 to clothe men and women after they sin. They tried to cover themselves with fig leaves. Jesus gives them a covering, a lamb skin. I don't know about you, but I'd rather have a lamb than we got a lamb skin out there. Feel it. It's very nice and soft. <laughs> Compare that with fig leaves. Eh, no, I'd rather wear the lambskin. Because the lamb became important to God's whole design and whole plan. You see it going forward then in the sacrificial system. The lamb was for the sin offering. You see it even in the Exodus where they sacrificed a lamb. And put the blood on the doorposts to represent the people in that family acknowledging God and His plan. The Lamb of God. God has a plan and He has been working His plan. Can I read for you over in Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1 starting in verse 4. It says, He chose us in Him. Before the foundation of the world, God has had a plan before he made the world. That we should be holy and blameless before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace by which he has made us accepted in the beloved. God has a plan to have you be acceptable in heaven. That plan is through Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. God has a plan. You know, sometimes plans, we lay them out all well and they don't always go to our best, do they? I think of a year ago, At Easter time in Australia, it's common to move the Easter service forward an hour earlier so that people can have more time with their family that day. We did that. Um, We tend to do that. And just as the service was ending, uh, we had two visitors walk in the back door. A middle-aged couple there, and uh, they walked in ready for the normal service. (laughs) Oops. (laughs) Oops. Uh, we'll missed that. We just had it. Um, it was earlier today. We tried to advertise it really well, but sorry you missed that. Um, I tell you what, come on to the back room with us. We've got coffee in there. We've got a really nice coffee machine. Um, and uh, we've got nice coffee back there. We've got all kinds of food out. We're going to just chat for a while and, and uh, talk about what Easter means to us. Come on to the back room. And, and we finally talked him on into coming back to the back room and then coming to the next week's service and coming along. And Barb had the opportunity to begin a discipleship process with Michelle and uh, saw Michelle grow and, and really become a person who understood what saving faith in Jesus Christ alone is all about. And Michelle accepted Christ is her Savior and was talking about baptism. But one day was we were in Bible study uh, in our home, she said, um, you know, the more I come to church here, the more I miss my husband. She's sitting right next to Sean, who she came in the door with that one day, and and we, uh, we were all kind of shocked. <laughs> and she says, yeah, Sean's not my husband. He just kind of lives in the same house as I do because he's my health care provider. Um, but I'm married Oh, okay, yeah, and he lives in town, but um, we we don't live together anymore, and, and I kind of miss him. <laughs> okay, yeah, uh, and we begin to try to get her to invite her uh, husband to come and give God another look. We don't invite people to come to church; we invite people to come and give God another look with us at church. And he did. And I, I'm happy to tell you that uh, in um, late February, we had them in our home, and I was um, asking Alan to give us his story. And he says, well, you know, since coming here, I understand that um, I needed Jesus as my Savior, one who would be willing to forgive me for my sins. Um, I understand that Jesus died for my all my faults, all my guilt, the things I'm I'm guilty of, and that he was buried, but he didn't stay dead. He rose again. And then the last Sunday we were in Australia, just before we came back in March, we were able to go to a public pool, because like I said, we don't even have any running water in this building. Um, we went to a public pool that had a Hoist because Alan has a brain injury problem. He was once given a needle by a healthcare professional that they didn't take the air out of the needle and the air went straight to his brain, caused him some major health problems. Um, And he had to be lowered down into the pool in a wheelchair hoist and was baptized there. And so, Michelle, also his wife, was baptized. Because they want to follow Jesus Christ. Because they understand that God has a plan. I want to keep moving along this morning. We also see in this passage, not only that Jesus is the key, and he's the Lamb of God, we also see that Jesus deals with sin. Look at verse 29 John says as he sees him coming the next day, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus' plan meets the need that we have to be honest about. We must be honest about it. You know people in this world, don't you, who aren't very honest about their, their need. They say uh, in Alcoholic Anonymous or in a lot of drug programs, that until you become honest that you have a problem with alcohol, you'll never overcome the problem with alcohol? Guess what? Same is true in the spiritual realm. Until you understand you have a problem with sin, you will never ask God for help to deal with your sin problem. Jesus deals with our sin problem. A guy that, uh, in our ministry that I was witnessing to for for four years, we'd talk with him almost every single week. He was a strong atheist, and yet I would give him time, and we would talk. Sometimes he just loved to debate me because he was a very intelligent man, and he just loved the opportunity to try to get me, and yet I'd never let it get under my skin because it's not me. It's God who he was rejecting. And we'd talk, and I'd tell him why I believed that God exists, and he would tell me why he didn't believe God exists. One day, as I was visiting him, a nurse came out of his bedroom and, and told me, well, he's not doing well. Um, he's got, had to go on to palliative care. He doesn't have very much longer to live. In fact, he, he's probably losing his voice even. But he really, really needs to talk to you. Please talk with him. I went on in his room that day, and uh began to chat with him and i said you know i believe the reason you're having nightmares every night several times a night i believe the reason that you are really struggling with life and you're so grumpy with everybody and nothing is right is because the bible tells me in ecclesiastes chapter 3 that god has placed eternity in the hearts of everyone and you are kicking a back against god and trying to say he doesn't even exist. Just like there's a time to be born and a time to die. You know that poem there at the beginning of Ecclesiastes chapter 3? A time to plant and a time to pluck up and a time to gather stones and a time to throw away stones. There was a song about that back in the 60s. Um, Some of you aren't old enough to figure that out. But um, (laughs) it's a popular poem still today. I started there and I said, All of that is there because God has placed eternity in the hearts of man. He's placed eternity in your heart and you're fearful right now and don't want to deal with it. That's why you're having nightmares. That's why you're grumpy. But you know what? It doesn't end there. Let me tell you again about Jesus because Jesus is the answer to the nightmares. Jesus is the answer to your guilt. Jesus is the answer to your sin problem. Jesus is how we deal with sin. And I launched into the New Testament and began to share with him who Jesus Christ is once again. I told him, it's not about you coming to church. It's not about you giving a certain amount of money in the offering plate or anything like that. It's about you accepting Jesus as your personal Savior and allowing him to deal with your guilt problem and your sin problem when I asked him eventually if he wanted to pray that day, he couldn't talk anymore. I said, you'd need, to, you'd need to ask God something like this. And I prayed a quick prayer to help him understand how to turn his life over to Christ. The nursing staff and the people who were there helping him in his last couple of days said he was a totally changed man. He was a man of peace where he had been a man who was grumpy as anybody he was a man of peace. He never had another nightmare. He never had a, another great quarrel with anybody because God gave him peace because he dealt with his sin. I believe I'll see Adrian in heaven. I didn't get a chance to chat with him a great deal after that because the Lord took him home about 48 hours after we, we had that conversation. Yet God knows. I did what you send me to Australia to do—to share Jesus Christ with people, to see God's ministry continue on. There are so many more things that we could say here, but let me get on to the second aspect of this personal invitation here in our passage. We see the next day that Jesus, uh, John saw Jesus coming. He said, "Behold, the Lamb of God." Verse thirty-seven: Two of the disciples heard him saying this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned. And he looks at them and he says, What do you seek? And they said to him, Rabbi, where are you staying? What a distraction. Did they really want to know where he's staying? I doubt it. They wanted to know more about him. And yet so often when we're witnessing to somebody, they toss up some other question, you know, because I don't know what to say. So they toss something else out there. They didn't care where he was staying. They wanted to know about him. He said to him, though, in verse 39, he says to them, come and see. And they did see where he was staying. I see in this a couple of different aspects. The first thing is Jesus says to them, follow me. I clicked ahead too far there. They followed Jesus. They made the decision to change. We have a lady down there in our ministry who uh, had been attending another church years ago. Knew Jesus Christ as her personal Savior and saw God doing some tremendous things in her life. Wasn't able to go to the other church anymore. Hadn't been for a long time. And I began to reach out to her. There's a lot of people in the community here probably like that too. And I began to spend a lot of time with her and disciple her and and to work with her. Help her understand what God's plan for her life at this point was. God wasn't done with her. And as I was sharing and reaching out to others, she began to see me doing that in a lot of different ways. And she began to say, well, I can, I can put my hand on somebody's shoulder and pray for them. And she began doing that. And oh, I am so happy to say that she fully understands the reason she is at this point in her life, the reason she had the recent medical problems, the reason that she is where she is, is because God still has a plan for her life. And she is there now in the retirement home that we talked about in the video, doing more of the ministry than I possibly could in some ways, because she's there 24-7. <laughs> and she's able to carry on that ministry even when we're over this way. Why? Because she was willing to follow Jesus in his plan for her life, rather than just say, oh, I don't want to be in a nursing home. I don't want to be here. I... She chose to follow Jesus and what Jesus' plan was for her life. Made the difference. Jesus looks at these two guys following and he says, What do you seek? Not what do you want. You know, hey, I want a lot of things in life. I want my support package to be all well. (laughs) Jesus says, What do you seek? I tell you this morning, personally, I seek God's glory. I want God to be glorified in what I say this morning. But I think back in our ministry Just earlier this year, we have an outreach at the university campus, a Bible study that's there for the international students. 25,000 students or so on the local campus, about three miles up the road from where we live, where our church is at. 25,000 students. We have a Bible study for the international ones so they can find out what Christianity is all about while they're at the university. I sat down next to uh, a... Chinese guy uh, who was there for the first time. And um, I introduced myself and asked him why he, was at, why he chose to visit the Bible study. And he says, well, you know, my grandparents, uh, they were Christians. and They followed Jesus. My parents, they follow Mao. Me, I, I in Australia, I'm working on my master's. I figure now I decide if I follow Jesus or if I follow Mao. Wow, what an opportunity to share with him what he really seeks. He's seeking to find out if he's going to follow Jesus or follow Mao. Two vastly different. What's Jesus' response? He simply says, come and see. It's an invitation with a promise. We have a lot of people who come to our church. Some who come with great intentions. Some who come with wrong intentions. But you know, we want people to come and see Jesus. I think of John who came for a while John came to our church, and we were all excited to have him there. We were all excited to be able to share Christ with him and and get to know him a little bit. But John came because he needed some new people to sell his business insurance to and needed some new people to sell his products to. And, well, we had a lady in our congregation who he found quite attractive. (laughs) That's why John came. And when we began talking about having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and that being what made the difference in life. And when we confronted him about it one day and where he was at with that, he says, I'm not having anybody evaluate me. And he stormed out and left because he wasn't going to have anybody evaluate him. We found out he's going to another church because the pastor there called me because he's been trying to hawk his insurance and trying to sell his other wares and he's been chasing after some women and doing some inappropriate things. You see, some people seek the wrong things. Some people will come and they'll see and they'll accept Christ and some won't. I could tell you more stories of people we've been working with who come and see and choose not to follow Christ. Those are heartbreaking, heartbreaking stories. Yet many do come and follow Christ. Jesus simply gave the opportunity to come and see He says in John chapter 6, verse 37, just a couple chapters after this, All that the Father has given to me will come to me, and no one who comes to me will I by any means cast out. If you come to seek Jesus, he will not cast you out. Even if life seems to be falling apart, Jesus isn't casting you out. He's probably trying to get your attention, to show you his love. In greater ways. We know. We've lived that. We've been there. There are other people here who can express that same thing. In conclusion. Come and see is an invitation. But it's also an opportunity. When we look at the reality of who Jesus really is. And what he has done. We have the opportunity To make a choice. Not all opportunities have equal value. You have the opportunity to enter into a real, authentic relationship for eternity. We call those people rare in Australia, in our church plant. You get that? Real, authentic relationship? Eternity? Yeah. Okay. There you go. Um, It's one of the, the fun things that we do. Australians love those kind of things. You have a chance to be a rare person, or you can wait it out, but I don't suggest it because those who wait it out are are likely to see God's wrath. Your choice this morning. I don't know everybody in this room, and I've gone long, and I'd love to tell you so much more. But What I ask first and foremost is, if you are here this morning and you do not know what a real eternal relationship with Jesus Christ is all about, please talk with us, or talk with pastor, or talk with somebody else in this room, any of the guys who stood up and helped with communion, they'd be glad to talk to you. Or if you're a lady and want to seek out another lady, my wife is here, or another lady is here, please talk with somebody about it. That is the most important thing that you can talk about in this whole day. The reality of who Jesus Christ is and what difference that makes to your life. If you need to, just keep coming back next week. Come and see what Christ is all about. This church will help you understand that. But please, don't just wait it out. Please, don't wait it out. If you're a Christian... What are we doing about this opportunity? Man, Barb and I will give you all kinds of opportunities to share Christ. Uh, In 2020, we're looking to get a group of 100 to 150 people to go to Tokyo with us. I'd love to have some of you come and share Christ at the Summer Olympics. We'd love to have you come to Australia and see what God is doing there. What are you doing about it? Are you even sharing Christ with your neighbors? inviting people to come to church to give God another look because maybe they quit looking at God. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your word. We're grateful for the reality that's found in it and the opportunity we have to examine it in a way that can impact our lives, not because some speaker gets up and gets all excited But because your word is true, we can count on it. And it is there for us to examine and see what reality really is. To understand you. To prepare for this life as well as the life to come. Thank you, God, for the time that we've had together. Thank you, Lord, for the way this church has impacted our life and our ministry in Australia as well as in the sports event evangelism as we've been able to share Christ with so many in so many different parts of the world. Lord, I pray that you would continue to build this church as they continue to help people know you. And that we would continue to be great partners together in the years ahead. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Pastor.